Politics, culture, chaos. It's time to make sense of it all. It's time to have a little fun. This is your afternoon dose of sanity. This is the Rich Zioli Podcast. Well, it turns out that the White House has uh, complete confidence, complete confidence in all the generals who testified, which means, I guess, the generals better start looking for another job because it's usually Washington speak for, oh, yeah, you're done. You're done. Saki says, President Biden has absolute confidence in Chairman Milley. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Right. Hey, good afternoon. How are you? Welcome to the podcast. <clears throat> Hope you're having a great day today. Appreciate it. Uh, finally today, Jen Snarks confirmed that uh, the general's recommendation was that, yes, yes, 2,500 troops stay in Afghanistan over a short period of time. That happened just moments ago, actually, at the White House press briefing, which is why I always bring this uh, podcast to you in the afternoon, because all of the news happens in the afternoon, and I want to make sure you get it. You don't miss a thing. Uh, also, there's some news around fight, uh, Fauci, too. There's some some news around Fauci that comes up. Uh, uh, what did I say? Fauci? Fauci. Fauci would be a better name than Fauci, actually. Ficus. A ficus plant would be better than him at this point. He's just lost so much credibility, this guy. All right, let us begin with uh, something General Milley said today about the Taliban takeover of Afghanistan and what that means for the world and the jihadis in general. Because the jihadis are on a club, obviously. It's a jihadi club. And not only is uh, the guy, Haqqani, the president of the jihadi club, he's also a member. And now they're all in charge and emboldened and they're fired up and happy. Take a listen to what General Mark Milley said today it coming as fast as it did i thought it would be a matter of into the fall or into the winter i did not see it happen in 11 days in august thank you germany uh, i appreciate your comp- well your candor about this being a strategic failure how does this embolden al-qaeda isis how does what does it do to russia china and iran seeing how we responded in this retreat i think the taliban sitting in kabul significantly emboldens the radical jihadi movement globally um, the analogy I've used with many others is it, it likely will put a shot of adrenaline into their arm. Uh, their grandfathers defeated the Soviet Union in the war in Afghanistan many, many years ago. Uh, and they are taking this on their own networks right now and de- declaring it a major victory. So I think it's a big morale boost. Uh, I think it remains to be seen. I, I think the Russians are. You know, and then if you think about a morale boost, I mean, who doesn't need a good morale boost, right? Everybody can benefit from a good morale boost. Of course, this is because this didn't have to happen this way. We heard so many mixed messages from these guys. Well, we knew it would happen, but uh, we didn't think it would happen this fast. Uh, We knew it would happen right away. We knew that no matter how long we stayed, eventually it would be a situation where people wound up, uh, the Taliban wound up taking over. So why stay? But then we didn't think it would happen this fast. I mean, back and forth. Have you noticed the mixed messages? Back and forth, back and forth. But the one thing I do think is very clear from the hearings is something that I've been saying all along. Our besties, the Taliban, have never stopped hanging out with al-Qaeda. Never. And we went into Afghanistan to drive al-Qaeda out, and because the Taliban was giving them safe harbor, we drove the Taliban out. Now, the exact same group, the Taliban, is now in charge. And again, and for a while we heard, this is a kinder, gentler Taliban. Oh, they're woke. They do training videos now. They got a diversity initiative. They have a diversity director, uh, an inclusion director. They're recruiting uh, jihadis from the finest schools now, uh, even holding weekly uh, meetings and onboarding trainings. And they're even looking to get some women in leadership soon. Of course, they'll have to begin by doing the standard suicide bombing to get to leadership. And uh, clearly, that's not going to be a long-term proposition. But that's what we were told, a kinder, gentler 
Taliban. Not so much. Turns out they were hanging with Al-Qaeda the whole time. Gee, who knew? Who could have ever imagined that in the mountains of Pakistan, Al-Qaeda and the Taliban would have been hanging out together? Who could have imagined this? And we're all supposed to hear and believe that they all hate each other, and they do. But guess who they hate more? Ready? And this is going to shock you. Us. That's right, America. They hate us more. So what unites them is their hatred of us. And we have given them many things to unite over. The Taliban meeting certain conditions, which would lead to a political agreement between the Taliban and the government of Afghanistan. There were seven conditions applicable to the Taliban and eight to the United States. While the Taliban did not attack the United States forces, which was one of the conditions, it failed to fully honor any other condition under the Doha Agreement. And perhaps most importantly for the United States national security, the Taliban has never renounced their linkages with al-Qaeda or broke their affiliation with them. We, the United States, adhered to every condition. In the fall of 2020, my analysis then was that an accelerated withdrawal without meeting specific and necessary conditions risks losing the substantial gains made in Afghanistan, would potentially damage U.S. worldwide credibility, and could precipitate a general collapse of the Afghan security forces and the Afghan government, resulting in a complete Taliban takeover or general civil war. That analysis was a year ago. Based on my advice and the advice of the commanders at the time, then Secretary of Defense Esper submitted a memorandum on... Yeah. Well, listen, I mean, what are you going to do in terms of whenever you have those premonitions, you have something inside that tells you what it's going to be like, and then it comes true? I know it's awkward. By the way, Democrats are divided over three and a half trillion dollar spending bill. Big battle going on right now. And the vampiric one, Nancy Pelosi, is very angry today that she can't keep all the cats herded together. And she's very upset. Oh, you have not seen a vampiric one like this in quite some time. She snapped at a reporter again today. And I love whenever she does that. I love when she snaps at reporters. She just gets so nasty and angry, doesn't she? And it's, it's the fangs come out and everything like this. They really, really do. The fangs come out. So today, a little snap here. Here, take a listen. You're like this. Thank you. It looks like the diplomat guy extension might not advance in the Senate. Why get mad at members? Why twist the arms of moderates if, if, if this is not going to move anywhere? What are you talking about? We have a responsibility to uphold, to lift up the full faith and credit of the United States of America. That's what we have to do. These members have all voted for this last week. So if they're concerned about how it might be in an ad, it's already in an ad. It's already in an ad. So let us give every confidence every step of the way that we will do that. We cannot predicate our actions in the House on what could happen in the Senate. We can when we're coming to agreement on a bill. But uh, in terms of this, uh, I have no patience for people not voting for the full You have no patience? Really? I would have thought you were a very calm, kind of a namaste kind of a speaker. Shocking, I know. She then proceeded to turn into a bat and rip the neck off Senator Joe Manchin. Boy, she hates him. They all hate Joe Manchin today. Even the left, the uh, Intercept, which is a disgrace of a site that was once a great site when Glenn Greenwald was there, but he left after they tried to censor him over the Joe Biden emails, which we all know now are, are real, the Hunter Biden emails, which include references to his father, the big guy. Uh, Glenn Greenwald, the journalist, liberal, he left the Intercept because they censored him. They would not allow him to talk about it or report about it. So he left the site he founded. 
And The Intercept today, bombshell story going after Senator Manchin's daughter. You know, it used to be a thing where you, the family members were, you just left the family alone. It was always the code. The mafia, for example, had a code. You, you didn't go after cops. You didn't go after the kids. You just didn't go after the family. You went after each other, but there's certain things. You didn't, you didn't, you could, you knew where they lived. You could have shown up on a Sunday and blown everybody up. But now, did they all follow the code? Of course not. So you don't have to send me the example of the one mafioso who didn't follow the example. I know. I'm just saying that for the most part, that was always the code, the understanding. But now, in this day and age of politics, they'll go after, it's scorched earth, man. It is scorched earth. They'll go after everybody. They don't care. They don't care for a second. So now what they have to do is they got to get this $3.5 trillion bill, which includes $80 billion in IRS enforcement. $80 billion in in IRS enforcement. Say that again, right? $80 billion. Just an enforcement for the IRS. And all the other little goodies that it has in there, and they can't get it done. And you know why they can't get it done? Because of two people, Joe Manchin and Kirsten Sinema. That's it. And they don't know what to do about it because these two people have all the cards. And the only thing they can do is just not do the infrastructure bill, but they also know that if they do, don't do that, then they got nothing to go back and, and, and show everybody back in the district. So that is what the problem is right now for them. And it's a great problem to sit back and watch right now. It really is. But this is what they're doing now. They're trying to make it seem like the reason why Mansion and Cinema are against this is because it's all about the donors. So, th- so CNN engaging in this disgracefulness this morning. Uh, CNN, MSNBC, one of them. Which one is this? This is uh, CNN, right? I-, I get them very confused these days. Can you understand why my confusion? So now Jim Sudo this morning has on Errol Lewis Mansion. I'm sorry, Errol Lewis uh, and a couple of other people. And this is what they said is they disgrace Senator Manchin and Cinema. They try to besmirch them just because they don't want to go all in on their crazy, kooky, socialist, liberal nonsense. They're the, 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 the absolute transformation of this country into a socialist country. They start playing scorched earth. It's certainly they're getting down to the wire right now. You know, adding all that up, what we just heard from both of you in those last two answers, Errol, I wonder, yes, there's the experience that Joe Biden has from his 36 years in the Senate, but this is a different Washington and, frankly, a different Democratic Party even mm-hmm. uh, now that he's in power, not because he's in power, but just because the representatives are different. So do the same rules still apply? No. Oh, sure. Some of these are the very basic rules of politics. And by the way, when it comes to uh, Senator Sinema, uh, Senator Manchin, you've got to look at their donors. You've got to look at the industries that are supporting them. It's not about the top line number. It's about particular things that those special interests do not want in the bill. That's what's actually being negotiated here, not a big number. Uh, That doesn't change. And I think the president is is well aware. Hang on. Hang on. I got to ask the obvious question. How about what the special interests do want in the bill, which is part of the reason why they're opposing it? It's because there's so much pork and nonsense in this bill because of special interests. Don't you love how these guys act like, well, if you're opposed to this bill, it's because special interests got to you. What, what if you're loading in billions and billions and billions of dollars for special interests? Then that's, that, that, that's what? What do you call that? Oh, that's good liberal government. That's just being good liberals. That's all that is. Come on, good lefties. Please, these people are such frauds. Joe Manchin and Kirsten Cinema are trying to stop this. And because of that now, they're sleazy and they're controlled by their donors, et cetera, et cetera. Let me back this up about 10 seconds for you here. Being negotiated here, not a big mm. number. Uh, that doesn't change. And I think the president is, is well aware of that. 
Um, those are very sensitive negotiations that will have to happen behind closed doors. But that's what this is, in the end, going to really all come down to. Errol, you seem to be suggesting that donations might move legislation in Capitol Hill. I can't I can't imagine. What? <laughs> I, I, what? I, I don't know why Senator Sinema, with all of that pharmaceutical money, might be trying to sort of uh, kill this expansion of, of the Medicare benefits. Yeah. I, we'll find out why eventually, I think. Uh, outlandish. Errol Lewis, Rachel Bade, thanks very much to both of you. Yeah, there's Thank no you. way, no way that any lobbyists, any donors got money put into the bill. Right. Yeah, of course. Now, here's what uh, just a few moments ago, Senator Manchin was asked a question on cutting a deal on reconciliation by tomorrow's House vote on infrastructure. He said, no, it's not possible. He said there was no deal to move these two bills together in his mind. Never heard of it, he said. The two of them together. Why do you think we work so hard to separate them? So that's where things are right now. And of course, Democrats are spelling doom and gloom for the world and for the earth and everything's going to die. We're all going to die. I say it doesn't matter because we're all going to die anyway because uh, of climate change. So any any day we get is a gift, as far as I'm concerned. It's, it's a gift, no doubt about that. Back to uh, Afghanistan and the issue here. So I mentioned to you that Saki Snarks has finally now acknowledged that Biden was given advice to keep a force in, in there, 2,500, 3,500 people. We, we now know that, right? But how about this? The fact that the president told George Stephanopoulos one thing. His generals go before the Senate and the House and say an entirely other thing. The defense secretary, chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. And as I pointed out this morning, to me, that's the big story here. It's the fact that clearly they feel it's fine to contradict the commander in chief in a setting like that. They're, they're not afraid of it. They're not afraid of him. And they certainly don't want to get painted with the brush of this Afghanistan failure. And that is a, an interesting question. What do you think of that, White House? What, what do you think of the fact that, that the president was just contradicted by his own people, his own team, and not just one, but all of them unanimously, making it very, very clear that they told him to keep a force in there. Otherwise, this would be a disaster. This would be a gigantic cluster FS show. And it was. And so Snarks was asked about that today. It's not an easy question. It was about sustainability. He was not saying that nobody told him 2,500 should remain. Well, Weijia, I, I don't think we need to dumb this down for people because this is right. a really important issue. Um, what we're talking about here was an initial recommendation in the short initial period of time of having a troop presence that would continue. Not a surprise, the recommendation over the course of the last 20 years from the military has been to maintain a troop presence. You could argue that's their job to to maintain that. Yeah, well, so that's not really what the president said on George Stephanopoulos' show, is it? And now the whole idea of, hey, the military just always wants to stay everywhere around the world. Yeah, no, we, we okay, fine, but that's not what the question was. The question was, were you advised, Mr. President, by your own people to keep a small force in there until the evacuation was over? That was the question. That was the point. And now they're just trying to change this again to, it's just the military wanted to be in Afghanistan forever and ever and ever. And you see, this is the game. This is the game that is played all the time by these people because they don't want to be honest about it. But they are failing. I mean, it's just failure left and right with these people. It really is. Not only are they failing in Afghanistan, they're failing getting their domestic agenda through. It is amazing how this is happening. And you could argue it's like a TV show, a bad TV show. And Democrats are hoping that somebody can do a DOS ex machina and get them out of this. But I don't think that's going to happen anytime soon. It is like a TV show. 
And Snarks is the main character, although I'm telling you right now, I think Jen Psaki, she's going to leave the White House and make so much money. So don't feel bad for her. I really don't feel bad for her. She is going to make a ton of cash. And look, I mean, every White House press secretary goes on to wind up doing quite well in life. It's a tough job, no doubt about it. It's a tough job. You have to go out there and you have to take the slings and arrows and you have to comment on everything the president said. Oh, right. The president hasn't said anything on this. My, my, right. Okay. Right. So, so let me, let me go a step further here. Unlike other press secretaries who had to go out there and maybe clean up what their boss said, her boss, the president doesn't talk to anyone. When was the last time Joe Biden discussed Afghanistan? I don't mean, I, listen, I don't mean coming out and reading something on a screen, turning his back on America and walking away. I mean, when did the president actually come and sit down and have a conversation about this? You just, you just had the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, the top general, Secretary of Defense in front of the Senate, directly contradicting him. Did it again today in front of the House of Representatives. Where is the president coming up to the podium and answering questions? Where's the president coming out and going, listen, buck stops here, buck stops with me. No, he, 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 they do these very scripted events. Lately, if you notice, there's no questions anymore. Do you notice that? It's just immediately the press corps is, yeah, okay, thank you, thank you, thank you. And they just start, the White House press aides just start yelling at them and chasing them out of the room. You notice that? There was a short time ago when it was about COVID where he would take several scripted questions in advance. Uh, but now on Afghanistan, nothing. It's crickets. So in some ways, you got to feel a little bit sorry for Jen Snarks, and here's why. She doesn't even have the benefit of being able to use the president's words to say, well, as the president said yesterday, or as the president said this morning, or just like the president said in his TV address last night, or after that event, or no, nothing. I mean, where the hell is the guy? Where the hell is the guy? So I'm trying to think of myself, trying to put myself in her shoes and thinking how difficult it must be to be able to go out there and defend a president from his own generals when the president is not doing any defense himself. Certainly not doing himself any favors, that's for sure. So she compared it to a TV show today. I think what you're going to continue to see for this moment of time, Kelly, is uh, a lot of these private conversations um, and discussions with a range of members about how to move things forward. And yes, he's the first to tell you that we need to continue to uh, communicate with the American public about what's in these packages. But, I'm, but if we're talking about this period of time, uh, over the next 24 hours or so, I would expect you'd see him continue private conversations private and that's conversations. how he'll spend his time. Private. Yes, thanks, private. How confident is the White House at this point of a vote on infrastructure tomorrow or do you think that could slip into next week? Have you gotten any assurances? Or? Well, this is why we all came to Washington. Uh, it's like an episode of a TV show. Uh, where we, I, I'm not in a position to put lick in a crystal ball here. Maybe the West Wing? If something good happens, maybe Veep. If not, um, I'm not sure. I will assess tomorrow where we stand. Uh, you know, in all seriousness, uh, Catherine, we're not in a position. By the way, let me just make a point. The difference, though, is that in the West Wing, you saw the president all the time. President Bartlett was there all the time. Played by Martin Sheen. Great show. In fact, if you have not seen it, I highly recommend it. I think it's one of the best shows ever made. Obviously, I'm a political guy. And look, go into it knowing it's going to skew left, obviously. It's uh, Aaron Sorkin. It's his, it's his project. But it's great. And I think it's the most realistic political show I've ever seen. It's, I, I, I think it's fantastic. 
Great show to watch. Now, it gets dumb at the end. Like all shows, eventually what happened is I think Sorkin got busted, I think. It was this whole thing with mushrooms or something, if I'm not mistaken, at an airport. Anyway, he left the show. When he left the show, it went downhill big time. I think there was actually an episode where President Bartlett was having to deal with a, with a comet coming to crash towards the earth. And uh, maybe he called up Bruce Willis and Ben Affleck. I'm not sure. But it was got very dumb towards the end. And then, then there was this whole other episode with Jimmy Smits and he was running for president. And it, anyway, you don't even know what. The first two seasons, though, amazing. Amazing. Uh, and the West Wing's great. But the president's always around. Now, Veep is very funny. And the only thing that this White House has in common with Veep is that you never see the president. Nobody sees the president on Veep. That's part of the, of, of the joke of it all, is that Julia Louis-Dreyfus, at least in the, in, in the early part of the show, she's vice president, completely ignored by the White House. The guy from the West Wing comes in and just makes fun of them all the time. <laughs> Jonah from the West Wing comes in and just mocks them all the time in the... Uh, old executive office building, the Eisenhower executive office building where the vice president's office is because they have no access whatsoever. It's pretty funny. That's the only reason why I can't say it's like the West Wing. But yeah, I guess it's a little bit like Veep because in this case, the Veep is actually probably running the country even though in that show, the Veep had no power. But on uh, the consistency here is that you just never saw the president ever. And I, I said before it was 2.46. It's 3 o'clock now. Expect our team, the president, just to give you an update, is going to be working around the clock. Oh, yeah. The rest of the today, yeah, I'm sure overnight, mm-hmm. into tomorrow morning. Yeah. Uh, and we're going to be working in lockstep with Speaker Pelosi. He trusts her implicitly. He knows uh, that she knows what her caucus needs. There's a shared commitment to winning this vote. Uh, but right now, I just can't look into a crystal ball quite yet. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I'm sure Biden's going to be working all night. All night. What do you think? I mean, to the wee hours of 7 p.m. Probably, I would think that. I mean, it might be a late night for him. 7, 7.30, 7.15, something like that. But let's let's be honest here. Does anybody really believe that they're going to be working late at night? So in some ways, I think Jen Psaki is actually the president. It, it's, we never hear from the White House chief of staff either. Where's Ron Klain? Where's he in all this? You, you're about to, you've got... I love how everybody's blaming Republicans for the fact that the United States might run out of money again, the, the, the dumb, phony debt ceiling that, of course, they're always going to raise. But I love how everybody's blaming Republicans. Where is the president? Where's the White House chief of staff? I know they keep saying, oh, we're working behind the scenes. Behind the scenes, you know, very, very much behind the scenes. They are working really, really hard behind the scenes. And um, I don't know about you, but... Seems to me like it's is another reason why late night comics really still, still to this day, miss Donald Trump in a big, big way. Let's cut through the BS. This is the Rich Zioli podcast. Stephen Colbert last night making a joke about Trump getting a colonoscopy. Trump didn't want his colonoscopy known to the media so he wouldn't be late night's butt of a joke. Are these guys ever going to stop making Trump jokes? You know, Saturday Night Live just hired a, uh, an impersonator talked about this on the morning show the other day they just hired the 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 greatest trump impersonator of all time guy is pretty good maybe i should play some audio of of him someday but i guess the point is that they are obsessed with him they cannot quit him they can't quit him jimmy kimmel made a joke last night about the president being sued by the play cats remember i told you about that in yesterday's podcast because it's the only musical that grabs you by the p these guys cannot give him up, man. They love him. They just cannot. They cannot give him up. It's amazing. Kimmel, 
The hardest thing about Trump's colonoscopy was getting the camera around Pence's nose. How do you make jokes about Joe Biden if you never see Joe Biden? If Joe Biden never speaks? If Joe Biden never goes on camera? If Joe Biden just hides all the time? How do you make jokes about it? It's very difficult, isn't it? It's very difficult. But one of the things I, I think is pretty important to realize, though, is that Democrats are getting very nervous about this. This fiasco of Afghanistan, the one thing that these generals have all made very clear, and you know this, is that they said, I got nothing to do with this, all right? This is not me. I told this guy, do th- do this way, and he did not listen. He didn't listen. So now that that's happened, and, they, and they've made it clear, we told the president, Taliban's going to take over. Uh, they're still in coots with Al-Qaeda. We need to stay. We can't just leave. If we leave like this, it's going to be a disaster. We have to stay until everybody's out. We told him all these things, and he didn't listen to anything, and it's a disaster, and it's not on us. Not Now that they made that clear, and now that you've got a situation where you have this, this, this massive battle in Washington going on between the socialists and the last two progressives in the Democrat Party alive on this earth, Kirsten Sinema and Joe Manchin, You've got very, very angry, angry Democrats like angry Bernie Sanders. Five trillion dollar plan passes first. Senator Bernie Sanders urging House Democrats to vote against the infrastructure deal until another is reached. My fear is that if the dual agreement that was reached is broken and we just passed the infrastructure bill, the leverage that we have here in the Senate to pass the reconciliation bill will be largely gone. And I think the one hope we have is to say, look, if you guys want to pass the infrastructure bill, I want to pass it. You want to pass that? You're going to have to deal with infrastructure. You're going to have to deal with reconciliation. You can't just keep slow walking this thing. See? Meanwhile, Democratic Senators Joe Manchin and Kirsten Cinema visited the White House yesterday. The president spoke with Cinema in the morning, then separately with. Did he, though? Uh, or is that just what they told you? Did the president really speak with them? And, and Bernie's calling all the shots, and he's making it very, very clear. We're, you, you, want, you want infrastructure? Then I want reconciliation. You want that? That's the deal. Because Bernie's in charge. It's Bernie's baby now. Make no mistake. This is Bernie's party. This is Bernie's country. He is in charge. And how scary is that, right? It's freaking terrifying. You know what else is terrifying? The fact that that image of him on Inauguration Day with those mitts... That's a Halloween costume now, a sexy Halloween costume, those big mitts and a mask on. You could be Bernie Sanders, too. I'm just saying. And the sexy Bernie outfit is amazing. No, it's not sexy Bernie. It's a sexy woman looking like Bernie. You know what I mean? But sexy Bernie would actually like that. That's the irony is that sexy Bernie would really like sexy Bernie. If you follow my logic on this. So I mentioned to you uh, that I like to sometimes go a little bit in depth on a topic or two on these podcasts, which is fun. Lawyers and scientists are building a case for why natural immunity should be treated the same as vaccination. There's obviously a big battle going on, a big debate about people who don't want to get vaccinated but have had COVID. And they have what is called natural immunity and antibodies. And if you say anything out there, if you say a single word, uh, that, of course, goes against the party accepted line on vaccines then you're you're shut out and you're and you're shunned that's what happened to Nicki Minaj it's what's happened to a couple NBA players because everybody just has to say the same thing and they can't deviate from that at all but a few months ago if you remember Senator Rand Paul is a doctor said that he believes that natural immunity should be studied because we can find out if it's actually even better 
than vaccines, in which case then we don't need to vaccinate people who've had COVID. And you can vaccinate other people around the world, for example. He was blasted for that. What a pariah to even suggest such a thing. Same thing that Dr. Nicole Sapphire has recently suggested as well. We should be studying natural immunity, figuring this out. Let's understand this. How long does it last? Is, is it more effective than vaccines? Let's find about, let's understand this. That's what needs to happen. So one of the things that I think is important is that as we look at this now, there's a real question about can you get fired for not getting a vaccine? And it seems like the answer to that is yes. But the question is, can you be fired because the government is forcing your employer to fire you? That's a whole other question. And what Biden wants to do, which is completely illegal, I think, is he wants to force companies to make you get a vaccine by fining them $70,000 to $700,000. But the question becomes, what if you have natural immunity? What if you're one of the people that has had COVID and you have natural immunity? Is it, is it not worth discussing whether or not you may not need to be vaccinated? Is it not worth discussing that? I'd like to have that conversation. Wouldn't you? Because actually, if it turns out that people who've had COVID have stronger immunity than vaccinated people, I definitely want them around the office place. Wouldn't you? Isn't that a logical, common sense thing? If you're going to protect the herd, if that's the idea is herd immunity, the, the whole concept of herd immunity is not that every single person in the herd, every think about it from, from a, a cow perspective. That's where really the concept comes from. Uh, the wolf's going to get somebody. But it's can you protect the majority? So they, they, they all surround each other if there's an attack coming and they try to protect the herd as much as they can. It, it doesn't mean that nobody's going to get eaten that day. Somebody's going to get eaten. But the whole concept was of why we'd vaccinate 70% of the population, why we would inoculate 70% uh, is the idea that that would be enough to protect the herd. For the 30% that are not vaccinated, the 70% that are can protect them. But obviously this virus is... Not smallpox. This is a respiratory virus never going away. It's going to just keep changing every season. We'll have to deal with it. They'll have to tweak the vaccines, much like the flu. But the question, of course, then is, if the goal is protecting the herd and not just virtue signaling to force people against their will to get a vaccine, then wouldn't you want people around the herd who have the strongest immunity? And if it turns out that natural immunity is the strongest immunity, I want them around the herd. I want them around. I don't want to shun them. I want them protecting the rest of us. Obviously, that's common sense. But we're not allowed to have common sense because the left has decided that anybody who says a word about vaccine that isn't exactly what they want to be said needs to be shut down. YouTube today, in an act of just brazen censorship, like they care, came out today and said that any content and all content that has anything to do with vaccines that they don't believe to be truthful will be banned indefinitely banned youtube is banning prominent anti-vaccine activists and blocking all anti-vaccine content but what do you define as anti-vaccine that's the question what what is the definition of that i understand uh robert kennedy jr for example who's a prominent as described as one of the leading anti-vax guys in the country Okay, is it is it that or is it Rand Paul who questions whether or not people who've had COVID and have natural immunity need a vaccine? Probably both. It's probably both. And I don't know about Robert F. Kennedy and I don't care. So don't email me about it. I could care less. But that's just my point, though, is just simply that are we just going to lump everybody together or or are we going to try to be logical about which content we 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 ban? Or here's a novel idea. We don't ban anything. 
We let the marketplace decide because we let the most ridiculous concept content of any subject be out there because the more ridiculous content is, is usually when people realize it's ridiculous. If you hide all the ridiculous content, then it goes underground. And that's not a good place for it to be either. But Biden's mandate right now, oh, and this is something scary too because Australia is nuts. Sydney, Australia. Uh, Sydney's unvaccinated have been warned of social isolation when COVID-19 lockdown ends. So what they're going to do now is anybody who's unvaccinated in Australia, you will be treated, go away, stay on, stay on the sidelines. You, you can't join the rest of us and hang out with the cool kids. But again, I got to ask the obvious question. What if they've had COVID and have natural immunity? What if they have had COVID? What if they have natural immunity? Why would you not want them around protecting the herd? So President Biden's uh, lawless vaccine mandate, opinion by David Rifkin Jr. and Robert All from the Wall Street Journal, makes a real, couple of really good points about what the Occupational Safety and Health Act of 1970 is. OSHA, as you know it, is to enact rules that are reasonably necessary or appropriate to provide safe or healthful employment and places of employment. But the Biden mandate is unreasonably and unnecessarily broad. As announced, Biden's mandate applies to all employers, all employees, even those who work at home, as millions have done during the pandemic. It's simultaneously too narrow, failing to require vaccination for contractors, customers, and other non-employees who may be present at the work site. It's also overbroad in another way. Previous COVID infection doesn't excuse employees from the vaccine requirement. Natural immunity tends to be more robust and longer lasting than vaccinated immunity, according to Dr. Marty Macari of the Johns Hopkins School of Medicine. I've had Dr. Macari on the show many times, as you know. Dr. Macari says there's evidence that people of natural immunity are at a heightened risk of vaccine side effects caused by an augmented inflammatory response. For these reasons, lawsuits have already been filed challenging employer vaccine mandates as applied to employees with natural immunity. And those lawsuits should continue because the real question is, why would you force them to get a vaccine, especially knowing that there could be side effects, there could be ramifications? The answer is common sense would say you don't. You don't force them. But we're not about common sense anymore. We're about picking teams. And the left has decided that either you're all in on vaccines to the point of now where we have politicized the FDA and the CDC in such a big way that even the New York Times came out and slammed them the other day, slammed them for playing politics. Think about it. The White House comes out and says everybody needs a COVID booster. The president comes out and says that. The FDA, two of the commissioners quit because they say, oh, no, no, we have not approved this. It's not gone through our rigorous process. For the White House to say that's playing politics, we're going to have nothing to do with it. We quit. They quit over the merits of the booster. They quit over the process. So the FDA makes its guidelines and says, we don't need this. And the CDC says, we don't need this for anybody uh, except if you're over 65. What does the CDC director, Rochelle Walensky, do? Overrides her own CDC advisory panel. The politics of this show you exactly what's happening now. The FDA plays politics, then the CDC plays politics. The FDA changes its mind, then says they are behind the booster shots. The CDC says then they aren't. Then the CDC director overrides the CDC. It's why people don't have trust in government. And I mentioned to you that I was watching that uh, soon-to-be Hulu show, Dope Sick which is uh, really good so far. The first couple of episodes I've seen, Michael Keaton plays a small town doctor in coal country. And it's really all about the start of the opioid crisis with the drug Oxycontin. But one of the amazing things about this is the FDA royally screwing this up to the point of literally saying that this, this opioid was not addictive. And them going out there, the sales reps, and repeating that. Why did the FDA do that? 
Why does the FDA do anything? Why does the FDA pull good drugs because some people have had bad reactions to it? Why does the FDA approve drugs knowing that some people had bad reactions? Nobody knows. That's the problem. These processes are all over the place because they're bureaucrats. And bureaucrats run things, and bureaucrats are, quite frankly, not always the most talented people. That's why they're bureaucrats. I, I, they're, look, there are some, obviously, very talented people. I'm not trying to besmirch all of them. But let's face it, for some people who've spent their lifetime in government, when they could have left and gone and made millions of dollars in the private sector working for Big Pharma or working for a, a startup company that wants to bring clean water to Uganda or something like that that's usually funded by some crazy, crazy billionaire with unlimited amounts of money, they're still working in the FDA or the CDC year after year, decade after decade. And then, like any other institution, you become institutionalized. Like what Red said in Shawshank Redemption. You become institutionalized. And what happens is you only see things through the eyes of the institution and the bureaucracy. And so, if the idea is that you are supposed to take the party line on boosters because boosters are good and the president said it, you'll say it. And if the CDC comes out and says the opposite, well, then the director will override them. And then the bureaucrats at the CDC will be, will be upset. And many of them will leave too. And on and on it goes. But the question becomes, how do we trust these people? How do we trust these institutions? And I don't trust them when they say right now that you could be fired if you don't have a vaccine, even if you have natural immunity because you had COVID. And when you hear doctors say people with natural immunity probably have better immunity and would do a great job in protecting the herd, bring them around the herd. Let them hang out. Let's hang out. Let's hold hands. Let's dance. Let's dance. Let's do this together. The other problem, too, is that this country right now is governed by something called the Fed, the Federal Reserve. They make all the policies. They make all the monetary policies in this country, and they really do run pretty much everything, if you really think about it. The creature from Jekyll Island is definitely alive and well, no doubt about it. And have you been hearing about what the Fed's been doing? Like, for example, Dallas Fed president, the president of the Dallas Fed, Robert Kaplan, said Monday stepping down from his position following a controversy over his stock holdings. Boston Fed president Eric Rosengren, who had come under similar scrutiny, announced earlier in the day that he was retiring. Dallas Federal Reserve President Robert Kaplan became the second regional central bank leader to resign Monday, saying he was stepping down early following a recent controversy over stock trades he made. His early retirement follows an announcement earlier in the day from Boston Fed President Eric Rosengren, who said he will leave as well, but cited health concerns and not the issue over his investment portfolio activity. This is from CNBC. Quote, the Federal Reserve is approaching a critical point in our economic recovery as it deliberates the future path of monetary policy. Unfortunately, the recent focus on my financial disclosure risks becoming a distraction to the Federal Reserve's execution of that vital work. <gasps> I saw a great card once, and it said... Uh, I'm leaving my family to spend more time in politics. I thought that was one of the funniest cartoons. It's like, uh, like a, what, like a, what, what, New York Magazine has those little cartoons, kind of like that, Far Side, like a Far Side cartoon. So it's a guy and he's got his bags packed and he's walking out of his house and he says, I'm leaving my family to spend more time in politics. I just think it's one of the greatest, funniest lines ever because if you had a dollar for every time you heard somebody say i'm leaving politics to spend more time with my family you'd be a very rich person controversy has swirled over the issue after disclosures of kaplan in particular have been executing large dollar trades in big name companies such as amazon apple and delta airlines 
Subsequent to the disclosures, both Kaplan and Rosengren said they would be selling their stocks to avoid the appearance of conflict. Questions were raised, though, because the Fed has conducted trillions of dollars in asset purchases aimed at helping markets function and has bought corporate bonds from mega cap companies, including Apple. The issue has reverberated through the Fed with officials pledging to tighten rules so that such potential conflicts don't happen again. Sidney Powell, the Fed chair, said we need to make changes and we're going to do that as a consequence of this. This will be a thoroughgoing and a comprehensive review. We're going to gather all the facts and look for ways to further tighten our rules and standards. Do you ever think to yourself that the game is so rigged for people in power and what they're able to get away with? If you stole from your employer... Even 20 bucks, even office supplies, your career's ruined in some cases. You might go to jail. You might have to pay a fine. These guys stole from the American people. Senators do it too. Congressmen do it. Pelosi's husband has all these stock trades and everything. And all these people get rich and nothing ever happens to them, even when the truth comes out. At worst, what happens is you have to resign and go, do, go, go spend more time playing polo. That's what rich people do. You know, they play polo. Do you know that? I knew that. I'm not a rich person, but I'm a very big fan of the game Polo. In fact, I have season tickets. Who the hell even watches Polo? Where do you see Polo anyway? Although if the Eagles keep playing like this, I may just decide to start watching Polo. Anyway, nothing ever happens to them. But what does happen is this. We lose faith in our institutions. The FDA, the CDC, the Fed, the list goes on and on. We find out that these are only human beings running these places. They're not infallible people. I know this. You know this. I know this from being a very jaded person, for being in politics for most of my life before I get into radio. And seeing these people up close and warts and all, understanding that, wow, you're just human, huh? You're just human. And yet, how many times have people put their faith in a guy like Dr. Anthony Fauci? And how many times has that guy been wrong? How many times has that guy flip-flopped? How many times has that guy said the opposite of what he was going to say? And how many times have we heard Washington say one thing and then say the other? Like, we'd never impose a vaccine mandate. You remember that. I played this for you before, but it's this kind of flip-flopping and lying and changing and changing of the stripes that make people absolutely hate Washington and turn it off. But guess what? That's the goal. They want you to turn it off. They want you to ignore them. Well, think about it. I mean, how often do we talk about the Fed, the Federal Reserve? It's a boring topic. Not very sexy. They're happy about it. I mean, the Fed chairs and the, the Board of Governors, they're making money because nobody cares about them. Nobody talks about them. Nobody shines a light on them. What, what the bureaucrats want you to do is to be frustrated and turn it off. Put on some dumb show and uh, tune out your mind. Not think about it. Remember after the election, I got a couple notes from people saying, Rich, I just can't listen anymore. It's not you. It's not you, it's me. I got the it's not you, it's me. Every guy loves hearing that, by the way. It's not you, it's me. They say, I'm just so burnt out. I can't, I just can't do it anymore. I don't write back. I mean, I do. I might write back and say, I'm sorry to hear that, but I'm not going to write back and lecture you. It's not my style, as you know. But I always think to myself deep down inside, yeah, but that's what they want. They want you to turn on one of the endless idiotic shows on television, daytime television, shows, fake shows that entertain you like soap operas and The View, which are clearly shows that are based on fantasy. Uh, they want you to just tune it all out. Then they get away with it all. They get away with everything. They get rich off it, more powerful off it, and you and I will be screwed, as we often are. <laughs> anyway, that's why we're not going to tune out. 
That's why we're going to keep the heat on. That's why we're going to keep up the fight. Because it's just too damn important. Isn't it? It really is. Have a great rest of your day today. I appreciate listening to the podcast. Thank you for doing so. Keep your chin up. They want you to keep your chin down. Don't let them get away with it.